Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions and join industry leaders as they share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Chicago Title, Arizona. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions. We're so happy you found us here. It's been growing and growing every week with each new release of each interview. We're so excited to continue to bring these to you. And thank you for telling a friend and letting other people know that we're here. It's fun to watch the, uh, the downloads go up and, and uh, I just love doing it. So we'll continue to do it. Our guest on this episode of the Real Estate Sessions is Evan Fuchs, and Evan is someone heavily involved in the real estate industry in Arizona with nearly 20 years in the business, uh, including time as president of the Arizona Association of Realtors in 2014, as well as Realtor of the Year that same year. Evan really is dedicated to making realtors better. Um, he owns his own brokerage in Bullhead City, uh, Bullhead and Laughlin Realty. He's an instructor with Real, real Success Concepts. And Evan teaches any different kinds of courses, pre-licensing, CE courses, ABR, GRI, SRS, EPRO, you name it. Evan's involved uh, in that sort of education. But enough of that stuff. Let's let's uh, welcome Evan to the Real Estate Sessions. Hey, Evan, how's it going? Hey, Bill. How are you, my friend? Good, real good. I'm, I'm really happy you decided to join us. Uh, I'm assuming you're sitting somewhere up in Bullhead City at the moment. I'm in Bullhead City at my desk with, uh, I had to dust off the old uh, headset here, and I'm ready to go. I'm happy to be here. The old headset, because you, you were kind of to send me a cool photo earlier today of you doing a Skype podcast in 2009. Is that right? Yeah, it's. Well, I don't know if it's a cool picture, but it made me laugh. In fact, um, my buddy, he and I, Todd Tarson, and I used to do a, a real estate podcast here. He was in Kingman, and so we used to get together every week and talk about basically to each other. I don't know if anyone else ever listened, but I, I told him, I'm like, hey, I'm dusting off the old headset. I'm going to be guesting on a podcast, so we had a good laugh about it. We had a lot of fun doing it, and as I said, I don't know if anyone listened, but it was fun. As long as you're passionate about it, I, that's the way I'm taking it with the podcast. I like doing it. And so as long as I like doing it, I'm going to keep doing it. And it's just fun talking to people, especially people that, I've, uh, that I consider friends. And so this will, this will be a fun half hour. Well, I, I hope you do continue. I've been listening to them and a lot of your guests I'm friends with. And some of them I just kind of know from the whole social sphere thing. So I've been really enjoying them. And I, I imagine you've got a nice niche audience out there. So on behalf of all of them, please keep it up. We're fans. All right. So you having listened to a few you know that I, I like to get the origin stories of everyone and and so I'm going to start with you and, and have you always been in real estate was this your first job or was there something you did before you made real estate your career this was really my first career. I worked in uh, restaurants, bars, tips, commission-based work basically my whole life and uh, this was my first career. I started when I was 24. So you you mentioned restaurants and bars and stuff. I'm uh -huh. guessing that's a really good place to to hone those skills about connecting and building relationships and as fast as they may be. I, I think so. You know, it's funny when I was uh, after a while um, as a as a bartender, and I did restaurant uh, training and stuff like that too. But you start to look for you know how can you get off that train, and you know you you think to yourself, well, I have all these communication and relationship skills, and where can I go apply that? So I felt like I got. Lucky 
lucky that it, it happened to apply to real estate because I didn't know what I was going to do otherwise, to be quite frank. Now, you're you're in uh, Bullhead City, and I think for, for some listeners of the podcast, they, maybe they're not too aware of what, you know, kind of the whole geography of Arizona. So, you know, you're tucked way up in the northwest corner of the state, right on the Colorado River. But tell us, give us that, you know, uh, Chamber of Commerce little, you know, one-minute pitch about Bullhead City, what it is, maybe how it started. And how, okay. you, how and how you uh, why you choose to live there? Sure. Well, we're we're on the west side of the state, right on the Colorado River, as you said. We're basically where uh, California, Nevada, and Arizona come together. So the other side of the Colorado River is Laughlin, Nevada, casinos. We're about an hour and a half from Las Vegas. So that's my closest airport. That's my closest big city is Las Vegas. And I'm about three and a half hours from Phoenix and about four hours from Southern California where I grew up. So it's a, a good central location as far as that goes. It's a small town. How, did, how it started was uh, when they built the uh, Davis Dam here, which makes Lake Mojave. It was kind of a, a tent town, I guess. And just over time, it developed. And it's only been incorporated since 1984. So it's funny. I was up in Prescott last weekend and Dewey and driving into there, you know, 1864. And so Bullhead, <laughs> Bullhead City is a much newer town as far as that goes. We're at about 500 feet from sea level. So we're hot. We don't get any snow. We get a lot of, you know, mid 80s temperature throughout the year. And then we get a little over 100 here and there in the summer. Right. And I'm sure there's, you probably have quite a big winter population then, just like a lot of the cities along the river, right? Absolutely. They're rolling in right now. Um, you know, mid-October, uh, we start getting snowbirds everywhere from, you know, Minnesota back there, Canada, even the Pacific Northwest, like Washington, Oregon. Uh, and then in the, in the, Summertime, we get a lot of river uh, people like Southern California coming out for boating and that kind of thing. So it's it's really a rotating population annually, as far as that goes. So it's a it's a unique place. I've been there a couple times, you know, and it's right across the river is Nevada and legal gambling and big casinos and all kinds of stuff over there. Um, and so I'm, I'm assuming are there a lot of people that might live on the Arizona side and work in work in Nevada or how, and and you're licensed only in Arizona, correct? Yeah, well to your first question, yes, a lot of the people who live in Arizona work over there. Um particularly after construct or before and after construction slowed down, you know, it's say 2003 through 2008 in that range, there was a lot of home building just like the rest of Arizona. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of job opportunities there, but it's this weird relationship being in different counties and different states depending on each other. So a lot of the Arizona residents do work over there. Um, as far as our uh, me being licensed only in Arizona, when we opened in 99, I intended to get licensed in Nevada, but it's just most of the people who move to this area end up over here in Arizona. So uh, we hung on to the name Bullhead Laughlin, but uh, only licensed in Arizona. And when you started your career, then you said you were uh, 24, so you're just out of college for the most part, right? That, that's right. In, in fact, I used to go to Cal State Fullerton. I went to Cal State Fullerton, and the, I used to spend a significant amount of time in the library there reading real estate books, investment books, other people's money, you know, creative financing, all those kind of things. I was really uh, fascinated by it. So fortunately, you know, as I said before, I was able to transition out of, uh, you know, working in restaurants and all that and make a career out of it when I moved here. So did you, when you started in Bullhead City, did you start as, were you at a franchise 
Because you weren't opening your own company right away, I'm sure. <laughs> no. Yes, I did start at a franchise. I started at a Century 21 that is uh, no longer in business here. I worked there for about a year or so, and then I worked at a Remax for a couple of years. And I was one of those guys who was like way too smart to uh, pay a broker or, um, I'm being sarcastic, three years and a day. And I was like, I'm opening my own place because I can do this. And um, yeah, so that's how that went. So tell me, talk about that process. So you're, you, you go to your Remax broker and say, yeah, I'm going to be uh, leaving. I'm starting my own company. Yeah, I, I could not wait. Um, and of course, I was completely naive about it. I had... At the time, I had that idea that I think a lot of people have where, you know, if you're good at, at your trade, then you would be good as an owner in that trade. So I felt like I was a pretty good realtor. I was doing well, and I was always good in sales. And uh, so I thought, well, there's nothing to this, you know, real estate office thing. I'll just do that. And um, I knew nothing about running a business or keeping books or anything along those lines. So I, I learned that as I went along and in retrospect I mean it was ridiculous I think a lot of people make that leap and then they spend the rest of their careers stumbling because you know just because you're a good realtor doesn't mean to be a good broker or owner that happens in title a lot too where just because you're like the best escrow officer in the branch doesn't quite mean you can manage a branch right right so exactly distinct different skill sets there and uh, that's great so you have to stumble a little bit to kind of figure out where you're going but the company's still going strong you're what 16 years into it so how did you figure out how to do it right well first of all when i opened when i started the company it was with my parents who uh, we worked together they were uh, realtors and they still are so we opened the company together but it was always it was my company and i was the broker and all that kind of stuff but we worked together so they had a lot of business skills and experience and all that but we were very busy from the moment we opened the door which was something we didn't count on and so uh, the business was there and things kept going and then you need more agent bring agents in and they were growing and so i, I was under on that track for maybe three or four years of just like going despite it in spite of myself basically and then and then I started to understand the need to improve uh, budgeting skills and uh, business development skills and coaching skills training all those things I started to take it seriously I would say maybe four or five years into the business and I just recommitted myself to my own learning of it because prior to that I had no when I was in college, I wasn't interested in really learning, which is crazy because I'm such a passionate learner now right. and uh, like a self, you know, when, you know, with the Internet and there, there's so many opportunities to teach yourself if you're interested. So I kind of went backwards uh, that way and came back around. And, and I think that's what got me through. got us through the horrible times that came in, you know, 2008 and that that area. Yeah, you you were better equipped, I would say, to handle it since you'd already been through that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I, you know, that was a horrible, uh, you know, we watched so many brokerages fall. Of course, so many people lose their homes and all that stuff. But I think I was fortunate that I had started training and learning prior to that because, boy, was that tough yeah. as a small business owner. Yeah, especially I'm sure in a small town, it was probably the effect was even magnified, I would think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're 
um, heavily involved at the state level with AAR and lots of other things you have going on. But you, you started that involvement pretty early on, right? I, I think I saw somewhere in your your my internet search of you that you were uh, <laughs> president of the local association in like 2001 or 2002. So you're just getting your company up and going and things are rolling. But what what, what pulled you into you know that participation? Well, I had started pretty early in uh, like committee stuff because I was a complainer, you know, and how that works. I said, well, then you should show up for a meeting. I I won't go through the long, boring story, but that's how it started. And so, you know, then you show up for a meeting and and you you raise your hand one too many times and they make you a chairperson and all that kind of stuff. But, But really, once I became president of the local association and that gave me exposure at the the state level, uh, the Arizona Association of Realtors, and I started participating there. And my my world really opened up because I was just amazed at the caliber of people, the generosity of these amazingly talented people. And I, it was really impactful for me to spend time with, you know, some of the real estate greats in our state. And I mean impactful be, beyond business. And of course, now I have wonderful friends and my life has completely changed as a result of it so once I got started on that I if that's been (laughs) that's just been it's in my blood I love collaborating with people I love helping people get better I love what I get back from that and that's just part of who I am now someone new in the business that's trying to you know really learn what's going on and broaden you know their horizons get involved right get get involved with the local committee first like you said and see where that takes you you know the thing that I tie it back to is that our industry depends on that. The way that we're set up, we depend on collaboration. We depend on cooperation. You know, that's how real estate transactions work is if I was just my office and didn't want to go out there and cooperate with other offices in the area, well, now I'd be exposing my clients to 16 agents worth of inventory and clients as opposed to 350 agents worth. And that's how the National Association of Realtors has always been. And it's all volunteer. The self-policing, the professional standards, everything that goes on around the advocacy, we have staff that backs us up, but we don't work without volunteers. So once you look at it in those terms, for, for or once I look at it in those terms, it's no longer an option. It's you must participate because that's the calling of the, the industry. Roughly 2007, 2008, you were an early adopter of social and a lot of other technologies. I, I'm going to call you a geek. I think you're, you probably wear that, uh, <laughs> that hat. <laughs> so, Guilty. Yes, not exactly. Talk about that time a little bit because there were, I'm sure just, just like there were down here in Phoenix up in Bullhead, there were people that were naysayers like, ah, oh, this is silly and all this stuff. And we're a face to face and we don't need this. Talk about that a little bit. What I always think of when people ask me that kind of question is I remember when Foursquare was getting popular and I'd go to a conference or something and we're all checking in at Foursquare and then I'd come home and there was nothing to check into. I was like creating all the the, the stops on Foursquare and I was the mayor of everything because I was the only one playing, you know. <laughs> um, and there's a couple of us here. Mary Roberts from Lake Havasu is, is another person that I think of that was very into social, more so than I. In fact, we used to steal each other's mareships on these stupid little stops between here and Phoenix. So it took a while, but I was very enthusiastic about the opportunities that technology was creating in real estate and in the world. And so anything that was new, I would jump on and try to play with it for a while. And I got pretty good at dropping the things that weren't 
doing anything for me in business, but I was more than happy to try out everything that came that came my way. You know what I mean? You right. know what I mean? Right. Same kind of guy. Yep, yep. The technology aspect of it is very appealing to me. So when it comes to social, uh, you know, there's a tie there. And back in the time frame that you're talking about, there wasn't a whole lot of activity here, you know, pre-Facebook, I guess that would be. Twitter, to me, Twitter was always a weird fit for real estate. I would go to like Inman or something like that. And there's all this Twitter going on, but then you talk in a classroom, you're like, okay, how many of you are on Twitter? And people would just not even know what I was talking about. So, and I, I'm still trying to work that out. What do you think about that as far as engagement in real estate and Twitter? I tell people all the time, it's still my favorite social network. I use it more for learning. I use it for knowledge. I use it for finding smart people talking about things that I want to know about. And mm -hmm. it's amazing how many times I'll do a quick search on Twitter and when I don't find it, I'm like, ah, then I'll go to Google <laughs> to see. Right. Because, you know, I just, there's so many smart people sharing so much stuff on that network. Now, that's different than I think what a realtor needs to use Twitter for. And I, I think, you know, finding communities that are having conversations about things that are, that, that are, that matter to that realtor does have value. But I, I agree with you that it's a very, there's a steep learning curve to making Twitter effective in real estate. And there's lots of other options maybe to start with. I, I kind of have come to that conclusion over the last few years. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm going to ask you now, this is 2015, are a lot of the, a lot of, say, your agents at your brokerage or other agents up on the, up on the river cities, are they doing better with this kinds of things and online technologies? Oh, for sure. I, I think from my observation, Facebook was really the game changer because it was so much more um, approachable and didn't require a whole lot of attention span to like ease your way into it. I, I have an agent in my office who just uh, two days ago emailed me her. She went through and looked at her, her Facebook business from the last year uh, in volume and was it, it was 900 and something thousand dollars in volume that she's done in the last year that she attributes directly to Facebook and aren't our median home sale price here is maybe like 155 or something. So that's a lot of business just from Facebook, you know? Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. You really embrace education. It's a, it's part of your core being now, <laughs> I'm going to call it. And you're, you're all over the state and any other places I see travel, but oh, it, where's that drive come from? You know, you mentioned back in the day you weren't a very good learner, but boy, you, you have turned that around. Well, you know, I was, I was, I think about this a lot because it's definitely, I identify myself as a learner. I mean, it's, it's, I'm extremely passionate about that and professional development. And I've always loved like how things work and getting better at things, but academically, I wasn't too interested, you know, at the time when you should be like high school and college, it wasn't that intriguing to me. Uh, but I had kind of a rebirth of, uh, of my interest in learning after, you know, a few, few years after getting into business. And I, it is, like you said, it's my core. And uh, I think it, part of that comes from working with agent, you know, as a broker, you're put in a position, you wake up one day and you realize that you're responsible for people and you're responsible to help them. And you can wing it or you can, you know, approach it from a more, um, you know, academic or system system approach of what can I put together to uh, transfer concepts uh, to to other people in a way that they can make it useful. And I think I do that with myself and with other people now. And that is my biggest thrill is when you can help somebody get where they want to go.
as a realtor, as a, as a broker, as a trainer, I just love that so much. So I want to be as good as that at that as I can be. That's great. You you work quite a bit with Paula uh, Montofer from Flagstaff. You guys have mm -hmm. some of the best repartee, we'll call it, socially, that I love following. It makes me smile every time I see it. It's Obviously, you guys adore each other, and that's the only reason you get away with what you do online. So, <laughs> right. You recently yeah. you just started, I think it was earlier this year, I saw the first relaunch. And talk about that program that, that the two of you are doing, and what does it entail, and how'd the first year go? I, if, if I'm hearing things right, it's coming back in 2016, correct? You might have to stop me because I'm ex I'm so proud of this that I can talk about it for a long time. The stage is all yours. Let me hear about it. Okay. All right. Uh, we started it last year, and basically, uh, it's a continuing education-based conference. But we consider the hours of continuing education to be just a byproduct. In other words, we don't want people showing up for the hours. That's our ultimate goal. So, uh, and that's hard to. That's a tough nut to crack because that's the culture of our learning for real estate is to show up for hours. So what we try to do is um, make education fun, useful, meaning not just interesting stuff, but come in and get better at your business and leave better, but not be bored, not sit there bored out of your mind because that's we've experienced that so we tried for a while to figure out how how to put that into play and i think after teaching together for for a few years we and and kind of working on this we just decided to be who we are like we're going to show up and be who we are and we're going to add in to the business building stuff we have um separate events or or um, pieces of our conference that we'll put, we'll have a broker panel where we'll have brokers come in and share what they see agents do that they think is successful, makes them successful. Then we'll have like a family feud, you know, that's like high energy with music and we have a fun time uh, doing um, various topics, game-based learning. Uh, we'll do a lot of interactive stuff. We have a thing called the, our marketing kitchen where we set up a like a step and repeat with a video, uh, tripod, lighting, the whole bit where we get people out of their shell a little bit and get them in there doing video in the classroom, sharing right there from the classroom because, you know, you know how, how it works. Video and mobile are the two fastest growing media. So we want to get people, like you can't talk about video. We want people to take out their phone and shoot a video of themselves and, and see that like you are who you are and it, this thing isn't going to bite you. And so we get people having fun with stuff like that. Like I said, we show up as who we are. Paula is very outgoing and um, super funny very very smart but she shows up with a big personality and I'm more like the systems guy and you know the procedures and uh, you know a little bit more dry obviously and so we kind of put on characters and play that up as much as we can to each other because we feel like we complement each other and we try to have fun and people are responding to it really well the most exciting thing about it is so we've done four so far uh, we did one in Washington State we've done them in Prescott and we've done them in Laughlin, and we have one in Havasu coming up in January, is we make all these friends everywhere we go. And so we see this the growth of 
the collaborative side of learning in real estate. And as you can tell, I, I, it, it makes me giddy just talking about it because I love doing it so much. <laughs> I, I will attend one of those this year, I promise. I want to see that, so I'll be there. I, I hope you do. I hope you do. Um, you, one, one of the things we try to do, like we have a two-day format. It's 12 hours, $99. You know, it's, a, it's affordable. We try to take away all the barriers from attending, right. but mainly having fun while you're learning is what it's all about. Yeah, that's great. I, I couldn't agree with you more about the wanting to be there for the hours. It's disheartening sometimes, and I'm sure you've experienced that over the years. So, Yeah, it's infuriating, and, and we've tried. And, and by the way, that's just one thing we do is, is relaunch, but being involved with the professional development committee at the state level and all those classes from, from national designations and certifications to the classes that we write, all that stuff, it's hard to break through that culture of, well, the commissioner says you have to get 24 hours every two years years so where do I stamp my card right. you know and it's like boy that's a, that's not raising the bar you know so that's a tough nut to crack right. you you also just recently completed uh, something that I think you're the co-creator of is that the leadership Academy for AAR yes we have a in fact we just started our second season if you will um, the Leadership Training Academy for the State Association, or it's put on by the State Association, but it's basically for the incoming president-elects at all the local state associations across the state, as well as a few other people from the state. And the idea behind that is um, building on this, this um, cooperative and collaborative thing that we have going on, the volunteer thing, what can we do to get the leaders in the best position they can be to make the most of their year as president, which really involves a whole lot of planning in the president-elect year. So we, those are the people that we're working with to try and transfer the knowledge that we have, our experiences, and get them working together and sharing. Um, and and I, I think it's been very effective so far, and I think it's going to have a big impact on on Arizona realtors going forward because, uh, you know, you just, I, 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 I'm a realtor and then I'm on a committee and then I'm on a board of directors and then you, oh, now I'm president. Well, it, it's not, it, it's fair to assume that you don't have the background and um, experience to know all the ins and outs of, you know, real estate associations, who would, but collectively we have all that information. So the goal of the Leadership Training Academy is to share that so that, like I said, you can do your best when you're stepping in. Uh, we just started the second one, uh, in fact, earlier this week, I teach that with uh, Holly Mabry, who's a friend of yours, and I, she was on, she was one of your first guests. I listened to her. Um, so you know her well. I do. Yeah. And then, of course, Barb Freestone, who's the vice president of the Arizona Association of Realtors. The three of us wrote it together, and Holly and I present it, and it's a whole lot of fun to do it, too. Yeah, Barb Freestone doesn't know she's a future guest of mine. I haven't told her yet. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you got, yeah, one of my very favorite people, and, and I wish you would get her out so that other people would know how much she does for all of us, you know. Let's, let, I want to change uh, gears for a second, and I want to talk to you about some things I'm sure some listeners will have uh, opinions on, and would love to hear your opinion on it, and and this is something that I run across all the time in, in uh, what I do at Chicago Title when talking to people about what they're trying to accomplish, and, uh, and it's, it's this battle, it's the lead generation people versus the referral sphere-based people. 
talked about this before. So I want to get your take on that, that little, I guess we'll call it dichotomy, you know, the, because there are some very successful agents who are hardcore lead generation people, right? Mm-hmm. And there are others who um, just abhor it. They just, they have no, they want nothing to do with it. And they, they have great businesses based on their, the way they work their sphere and their referrals. So talk about that for a second and how you see that and maybe even your own personal preference. Sure. Well, lead generation as, as a category and, and that name lead generation isn't warm and fuzzy, but whatever you want to call that where you're generating new business it is, is so fundamental to the success in this business and probably any business. And so I, I think we fall into this, I see people over and over again fall into this trap where they stop lead generating when they start working business and then that business closes and then they go, oh, I better start lead generating. And, and it results in a very unstable, um, you know, I call it the roller coaster model of income. Is it, you know, you go up and down. As far as lead generation versus referral, you know, I would rather keep business than go out and get new business. So I, I feel like if you can call it marketing, what you're doing once you're working with people I feel like there's marketing weaved into everything that you do. So the realtors who are successful at providing a good experience for their clients and who know what their value is and can articulate that value to those clients, they have lifelong clients because they hone that and uh, they spend less time on lead generation and more time on relationships, which to me is a lot more gratifying, uh, but it takes a focus and it takes a plan. That's not to say that, you know, tiger leads or whatever else you're doing to, to generate leads is not a good way to go. But I feel like once you bring them in the fold, let's keep, keep the ones that we want to keep working with because it, you know, you find if your value matches what a client is looking for, uh, they're going to enjoy the experience with you. They're going to talk about it. And you're going to get more people like them and the people that you attract, you know, those are the people you want more of because th- those, that's your target audience. So does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. I, you know, and it brings up okay. another question. The, I, I want you to talk a little bit more about the value a realtor brings to the transaction, uh, to the process. Cause I, I think that um, that's a, that's a big problem area that a lot of agents don't really get. Oh, Bill, it's it's a, we have a huge problem with this, huge problem because, uh, the, you know, you talk if you want to talk about innovators or what disruptors or any of the, whatever the, the word of the day is, uh, if you don't have actual value, you're going to get eaten for lunch, and we're seeing pieces of our lunch get eaten over the last, what, 10, 10 years or more. Uh, so, uh, you know, you can't say, well, data is our value. We've proven that to not be the case. Right. So we need to know what is our value, right? Now, where we stand right now, I think advocacy, the protection of home ownership is a huge piece of our value. I think local expertise uh, is a huge piece of our value. And what I mean by that, you know, you can get online, you can Google, you can find out everything that's for sale you can find out the walk scores you can do all those things but no computer can get in and tell you the things that a boots on the ground realtor can and you look at these surveys that NAR puts out every year where they survey buyers and sellers that were in the market that year and they tell you year after year the number one thing they're looking for from their agent is help finding the right home 
and when you break it down, they're looking, help improve my search of the local area. So we still have a big skill there, but it's not in, it's not in the MLS search. It's in the refining and understanding that information. And the next thing that we have a big problem with is negotiating. Buyers say every year, the number two and number three thing that they ask for from their agents is help negotiating, price and terms. But how many of us are talking about what good negotiators we are, how we put deals together and keep deals together? So I always recommend jump out of your business for a day or two, get out of realtoring, get out of the weeds and ask yourself, what are you bringing to the table? And this is the stuff we work through with agents all the time because once you find your value, now you can talk about it and you start connecting it with the things that you're target audience is looking for. Uh, and I think that's true whether it's lead generation or relationship. If you don't have a value and know what it is, you can't talk about it. How can you expect the client or potential client to, to know what it is? Right. Yeah, that's it. And I'm sure this must be some of the things you cover in some of these things that you're doing in, in, as far as teaching and education. Yeah, I, I think it's fundamental. I mean, it, on the one side, it's fundamental to marketing. I was working on the um, the rewriting of the marketing reboot class that, re, that the uh, Real Estate Buyers Agent Council puts out. Mm. And it, it, whether it's marketing or survival of the business, no matter how you look at it, you have to you have to actually have value and know what it is and be able to talk about it. I think that's so fundamental, and it's funny that you brought it up without us talking about it because obviously I'm not the only one thinking that. It, it seems kind of obvious if you turn your perspective and look look at us from a slightly different view. It's like, hey, what are you bringing to the table? Well, let's, um, I, you can't use value for the answer for this next question. I'm going to make you go to one more level deep, but okay. give me the number one mistake you see agents making online. Oh, online. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's see. Number one, I would say, is people mixing up the social aspect of what online is supposed to be. Like not knowing how to marry the lead gen or relationship side that you just brought up with being a person and being social. Because people, like they don't know, that do they separate it? Do they put it together? Do I have a Facebook page and a business page? Am I Evan the realtor from nine to five and then Evan this other guy after that? And people struggle with that that I see. And I think the worst thing you can do is go out and be a salesman in the party in the social circle. Nobody wants you selling there. <laughs> so that would probably be the biggest thing I would say. Right. And I've had you here about a half hour. So I'm going to give you my last question that I give everyone that's, that's been on a guest on the show. And that's give me your one tip, one tip that would help. It can be a new agent or somebody who's, you know, kind of moving along and wants to really take it to the next step. What, what's, what's one tip that they've got to focus on? Um, okay. Well, I'm not going to say value okay. uh, because you took that away for me. But here, here's what I will say. I would like for people, for realtors to do things on purpose as opposed to on accident. And, and what I mean by that is have a plan, know what you stand for, know what you're trying to accomplish, know who you're trying to work with and what you're trying to do for them. You see, I didn't use value there, but know what you're trying to do for those people. And then it becomes a lot easier to figure out how to connect and what you need to work on and where your business comes from. Um, it's not just 90 hours hire with a broker and go sit on the floor. We, we, we did that for 80 years or however long we did that. That does not work. 
the ability of for us to change and adapt as an industry is you know we're slow at best <laughs> that you know so we can't be reactive anymore you know i don't think that works um it, we're competing uh, as an industry with outside forces that um, move a lot faster than we do so whether you're talking volunteer leadership positions or just as an agent like we got to get quicker and so we have to do things on purpose and not be reactive and wait for things to happen to us Evan, that's great. I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time uh, out of your very busy day, month end even, to, uh, to sit down with us on the real estate sessions and really share some, I think, super valuable information. So thank you so much. And, uh, and I hope that we'll have you back on next year. Maybe we'll do a live podcast with you and Paula from a relaunch. What do you think? Oh, I would love it. We'll we'll talk about you you coming out because I know you and I have done some stuff together. It's always fun, and uh, whether that's relaunch or anywhere else, we're going to keep working together because it's too much fun not to. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much once again, and, and uh, we appreciate your time. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, Bill. I enjoyed it. So thanks again, everyone, for joining us on the Real Estate Sessions. We look forward to delivering a new podcast to you on every Tuesday morning with local and national industry leaders. Thanks again. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Sessions with Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and tell your friends about the Real Estate Sessions as new episodes are published weekly.